So welcome to today's show, guys. We've got a podcast host, Kelvin pa- Palmieri, if that's how you pronounce it correctly, <laughs> on the show today. Um, so welcome, Kevin. Thank you for having me, my friend. We had a little conversation behind the scenes, and uh, I'm excited to, to see where we go in front of everybody today. Absolutely. So um, obviously, you've got, what, 1,200 podcasts? Uh, 1,200 now? Yeah, 1,242, I think, as of today. So how long does that take you to sort of accumulate that many uh, episodes and that many guests and, and viewers, et cetera? Yeah, we started in 2017, and it was like we were doing one episode a week, then eventually we got to two, then we did three, then we did four, then we did five, and then I think we just said, honestly, we're already doing five episodes a week, might as well just do seven. So yeah, it's been six years now we've been doing it very consistently and now we do an episode every day so it's interesting i'll do a pre-call with somebody and then you know they'll interview me a a month later and we have 30 more episodes because there's been 30 days in between so the numbers add up very very quickly so so six years then you've you've managed to to build from your first episode where you were getting guests and establishing maybe your podcast personality should we say or maybe that's built built throughout the time so for me, that says that when you are undertaking a challenge or starting an endeavor, sometimes it's a case of just keep keep going. Would you say that's fair to say? Because you obviously started with nothing and now you're here six six years in with 1,200 episodes, which is an incredible number, to, to be fair. I appreciate it. Yeah, I think a lot of us, when we start something, we assume it has to, it has to start a certain way. When in reality, you only start something to the level you have in that and the only way to get better at something is to start it. And I think a lot of us are, and again, I've, I'm guilty of this like anybody, we're afraid of messy action. But messy action is where all the progress is. You, you're not going to get good at something until you get in the arena. So I'm far better now than I was at the beginning. I will be far better a year from today you know, compared to where I am today. And it's just one of those interesting things where you got to be okay with looking back and saying, wow, I wasn't really good at this in the beginning. That's okay. That's a good thing. Because the opposite of that is you looking back and saying, oh, five years ago, I was in much better shape. I was, you know, whatever. I was much more successful. I was much more in love. Progress is going to happen. Contrast is going to happen. It's just whether or not it's in the direction we want it to happen. It's interesting you say that, isn't it? Because everyone wants to to start and hit the ground running, don't they? They want to... To, to be a perfect storm but in order to be the master at something you have to uh, uh sort of admit to yourself that you're going to look foolish at the start then as you said there has to be that room for improvement and you know if you look at uh, i'll use the example of a world champion boxer he's been punched in the face more times than both of us combined yet he's a lot better than us so it's a case yeah. of yes you develop skills as you go along and yes you know you can i can tell you're a bubbly guy definitely an extrovert and that helps isn't it to have sort of natural skills but there's also that room for developers isn't there and as you said you've you've sort of developed through your time on on the podcast show do you feel that prior to your podcasting that you gained any skills from your previous life you want if you want to talk about about that and how you've maybe tried to use those skills in, in your podcasting yeah before Right before I started the podcast, I had a job where I spent a lot of time traveling and I would literally stay up for 24 hours, like pretty often, like once a week, I'd be up for at least 24 hours because I would work an eight hour day and depending on, so say I was working three to 11, 
I'd probably get up at seven in the morning. I'd go to the gym. And by the time I finished my day and then drove seven hours home, it was six or seven in the morning. I might stay up and have breakfast and then go to bed. Sometimes I would just stay up. So for me, one of the things I developed in my quote unquote past lives was the ability to work really hard for long periods of time. And I think that's really, really, really served me. The other thing too is I used to drive a lot. So I used to have to do a lot of logistics of, okay, we have to leave at this time. This is what we need. That's helped me a lot in business, way more than I, I ever expected. So yeah, I think those those two attributes have come very handy when it comes to doing episodes a week and you know getting up and going to the gym and working a very long day and jump from interview to interview. I'm somewhat comfortable in the chaos. I'm still out of my comfort zone very often, but I'm more comfortable in the chaos than I would be if I didn't have those experiences. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a catch twenty two situation, isn't it? That people don't want to have had a, a corporate nine to five style job where you're working really hard and you're working for a boss. But on the flip side, that's where there's a lot of skill development, isn't there? You you learn how to stick mm -hmm. to deadlines, you become organized, you learn how to uh, uh, manage sort of work politics, if that's if that's the saying. And actually, you can also learn what you dislike and like from from job roles. Yeah, yeah, that's big. That's big. It is. It's very underrated, isn't it? Because if you know you're yep. completely introverted and you love reading books and sitting in front of a PC, you're probably not going to be in the best position to be the number number one salesman in the business. I mean, there are exceptions, of course, but generally, it's someone who's more extroverted, who's a network builder who is really good at communication. So what specifically did you do in your last job? I was the foreman for a weatherization company. So all that means is we would go into buildings, usually schools. So there were always state buildings and we would make them more energy efficient. So we would work on the doors, we'd work on the windows, we'd work on the attics. We would do whatever we could to keep the good energy in and the bad energy out basically is what we did. So but the the interesting thing is I, I spent so much time on the road. You know, the year I had the most quote unquote financial sec success with that company, I spent 10 months on the road. So I was just living in different hotel to hotel. It was a it was a very interesting experience that I'm I'm grateful that I had because I learned so much. But it definitely I learned pretty quickly after I achieved quote unquote success that that wasn't what I wanted to do anymore. You've said a couple of times, which I've I've sort of just picked up on. I think that will be a good sort of conversation piece, really, is that you've said, quote, unquote, success a couple of times. <laughs> yeah. Can you go into what you mean by that exactly? Because I've, I've got my own interpretation of it, which we'll probably come on to, but I'd rather you sort of explain what you mean specifically by that, quote, unquote, success. Yeah, I I was 25 when and I really started to think about what success meant to me. I, my girlfriend was a model. I had a sports car. I was in the best shape of my life because I had just won a bodybuilding show. I had all the external, again, quote unquote, measures of success. When I say that, I'm just saying it's the things that you look at. I think for me, I assumed they would make me feel a certain way. So I had a deep belief that if I made $100,000, for some reason, I just picked that number. It's when you go from, you know, five digits to six yeah. digits. Yeah. And I'm that that would fix the internal parts of me. I thought 
I would feel more successful. I feel more secure. I would feel more confident. I assumed all of those things would happen and I would feel more successful. When I think for myself, what I really wanted was fulfillment. I wanted to find fulfillment. I just didn't know what fulfillment was. And fulfillment is pretty hard to recognize because what you see looks like success, but you don't realize how people are feeling behind the scenes. So for me, it was external things. I assumed that was my own version of success. And when I found those and I was still very miserable, I realized pretty quickly that my internal state and my external state did not match. And I think that's one of the reasons I felt so much resistance and pain because on the outside, I looked really, really, really good. But internally, I hadn't, I hadn't done a lot of inner work. And I think that's what success really is. It's having a balance, right? A, a balance of your inner state and your external state. Yeah, I, I think you've, you've hit the nail on the head there, whereby society's uh, sort of judgment on if someone looks successful, especially for men, is that they've got you know 20 girlfriends, they've got big sports cars, they've got huge money coming in. They are in good physical shape, et cetera. And, you know, for example, we use Dan Bolzerian as an example. You know, that is, for for a lot of people, that is the archetypal success. But for a lot of people, all they want is a a, a loving wife who's who's uh, loyal. They want some, some kids that are, are nice and healthy. And they want the job that they enjoy. Is that what you feel that you've, you're now close to in terms of, again, the word fulfillment that you, you've mentioned? Yeah, for me, fulfillment is growing and evolving when it comes to, to life overall, when it comes to love with my family and my wife and the ones closest to me, when it comes to health, becoming the healthiest version of me mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, and then well, in terms of creating a life of financial abundance, but also in an aligned way. That fulfillment, I think, is being on purpose, on the mission. It's not always easy. It's not a life of ease for me. It's more when I get to the end of the day, I'm grateful I did what I did. Just like after a hard workout, you don't necessarily want to go and do the hard workout, but you're grateful you did because you, Dan, that is one of the fulfillment. I think doing hard things is important. So yeah, I, I believe at a deep level, it's working very hard on myself, adding value to the world, contributing to the world, growing through that. And then just repeating that cycle. I think that's what fulfillment is to me. Yeah, life's a, a journey, isn't it? That if you think of a funnel whereby, you know, you're trying to pack loads of water into this funnel and there's a, a chute at the end, isn't there, that's that's a lot thinner than it is at the top. And life's a little bit like that, isn't it? Where you're trying different different things in, in a much wider space that then niches down later on. And to know what you like, you have to know what you don't like, whether it's, as you said, mm -hmm. going to to, to state-owned buildings and checking for uh, efficiency, or whether it's someone who's in a sales job or someone who's working at a bank. Only by doing those things, it gives you that the questions, doesn't it? As what would I like to do? What would give me fulfillment? Where where do my skill sets lie, etc. But one of the the yeah. mistakes people make, and it sounds to me like you are saying that as well is that short term if you're doing things for short term money there's a point where there's a, a point of diminishing returns isn't there where you're like well i've earned all this money i now need to go in a direction whereby i'm more fulfilled but maybe there's a, a drop in income did you find that when you first started your podcast six years back oh, 
I there wasn't a drop in home. There was a disappearance in income. It was it went from six figures to no figures. Yeah, I this is kind of my analogy. I think a lot of us we see what other people are doing and we put profit in pr- in front of purpose. And I think we have our P's in the wrong order. We start thing because it's profitable and then we try to convince ourselves that we're we're purposeful about it. It's it's our purpose, it's our passion. When I think if you switch that and you do something that you're very passionate about and you feel purpose in and you find a way to make it profitable, isn't that what everybody wants anyway? Yeah. Isn't that what we're all after? So I think it's one of those things where some people jump into the pool and they say, all right, I'm going to swim in this pool for the next five years and I'm going to make, I'm going to swim to the bottom and bring up as many gold tokens as I can. There's other people who jump in the pool and say, I want to do whatever it takes to stay in this pool. I'm going to learn how to, how to make it profitable. And I think those are just two different lives. So yeah, I went from I went from making a hundred thousand dollars a year to didn't make any money in the podcast for the first two and a half. I lived off savings, I lived off credit cards, you know, and that really was it in the beginning. So when I started this, I had no idea about money. I wasn't thinking about making money. I didn't think we'd ever be a, a multiple six figure business on our way to being a seven. I never expected that. That's not why I started. But I had a moment early on when I was the brokest I had ever been, but I was also the most fulfilled I'd ever been. And there's a sign for me of, okay, maybe we're, maybe we're on to some. Yeah. It, it, it's like an analogy of, of sports people, isn't it? Whereby, you know, Roger Federer as an example, he was really passionate about tennis. He was also very good at it. So there's a, a nice crossover there and there's no short term income. You know, everyone says, oh, I want to be a tennis player or a football player because I want to earn 500 grand a week, 100, you know, uh, 100 grand a week, 200 grand a week. But they're not willing to go through that same story of, well, for 15 years, you're going to be broke. You're probably not going to be able to go to that many parties. You're going to be uh, not going to be able to smoke. You're not going to be able to eat shit. You're going to have to put that dedication in. Um, and as you said, you were all in, you know, putting money on credit cards. You were all into this project because you had that purpose, the passion. And as you also said, the hard work that you got from from the corporate job. Um, how long did it take for you to realize? I know you said it was a few years before you monetized, etc. But how long did it take you to realize that there was a lot of traction um, and there was a real upward trajectory in what you were doing from the podcast? Yeah, that's a great question. I don't know if I ever really contextualized that. As weird as that sounds, because I've even to this day, I still feel I'm very grateful for where we are, but I also feel like we are very behind in a lot of ways. So I think it was when when we started getting consistent messages from people. They message us on social media and say, Hey, I listened to the recent episode. You know, here's what I'm going through. I'm I'm in a relationship with somebody I'm not in love with. I don't know what to do. Like, what do you think I should do? And we would start having conversations with our listeners. So probably like a year and a half in two years in that that's when it started to really seem real to me. I think we went from, we went from a thousand, 1000 downloads, I think in the first year to, I think we had either 40,000 or 75,000 the second. And I was like, Oh, okay. Interesting. We just, we just really exponentially grew. Like there's gotta be something to that. So from a data perspective, that's when it started to make sense. But for me, a lot more of it was like the relational aspect of, People definitely care about what we're talking about. It's adding value to their lives and we're connecting with them. That's got to mean something in the long run. 
because you've now got ambitions, haven't you? As you said, it's all about providing value. You know, people think, well, I want to get a job with the highest paying income I can. But what value are you bringing to the table for that? Jim Rohn once said that frustration is trying to find an above average person, uh, uh, sorry, to find an above average job with above average pay without being an above average person. So they're trying to pull the cart before the horse. Sounds to me like you're looking to provide value first, which then, you know, if you're providing value for something, money, and again, I know you didn't talk about money and that wasn't the focus. And that's the whole point, really, isn't it? That if we focus just on the value side, we don't need to worry about the money monetary side because that happens automatically, doesn't it? You've now got goals, yeah. as you as we talked about off air, to be the number one uh, self-improvement podcast uh, worldwide. How are you going to go about doing that? Not giving too many too many details away. <laughs> uh, again, it's not. I don't have a hack. I don't have a sexy answer. We are going to do it for longer, more consistently than anybody else, and we're going to do the hard thing. You know, for us, it's. I have no illusion of life getting any easier. I think that's kind of the the expectation that I used to have was success would bring ease. And it does for some people. I'm sure there's a way to, to do that. That's not necessarily what I'm interested in. I'm interested in adding more value. So to your point, I'm just going to keep trying to get better. Being. I'm going to try to become as relatable as I can through my stories and my storytelling. And I'm just going to try to add more value than other people where I think when you get to a certain level, it's really hard not to lose connection with your audience. The people out there who are getting 15 million downloads a month that's a lot of demand on their time. Are they still doing the things that they did in the beginning? I know. So we're going to do seven episodes a week and we are going to work with our community and we're going to add value and we're going to be accessible and we're going to get a little bit better for the rest of our lives. And there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff. Like we have a lot of systems and stuff like that, but it, I won't rest until it happens. And if it doesn't happen, I'll still get way further than I would have if we didn't set that goal. So that really is what it's about. It's not, I don't expect a trophy that says, hey, you're the number one self-improvement podcast. Like, I don't expect that. But I just want to have the most impact we can have. And I believe that we can. I really do have that belief now. I love that in terms of goals and setting such a large goal that regardless of whether or not you meet that goal, you're still going to be exponentially closer to it than than you would be otherwise. So it's really good that you're setting such a high standard for yourself. That means that look, even I if think, that doesn't happen, then at least you're you're very close or a lot better off than you would have been if you were to just have a goal of, well, we just want to get five listeners. You, yeah, you know, I think it's good if you have a high level of self-belief. Because the other thing, like I always tell people, you got to be very cautious with the way you set goals because if your self-worth, if my self-worth is attached to we're going to be the most successful self-improvement podcast on the planet, I'm going to feel really, really, really bad maybe forever, because we may never get there, where somebody else might want to set a goal of, after you get the five listeners, let's worry about getting 50. And then maybe after 50, let's worry about getting 500, maybe 500, get, you know, 50,000, whatever. I think it's really good for us because we have a high enough level of self-belief to, to comfortably say, hey, we're not good enough yet. But for other people, I think it's very important that they do feel good enough more often than not. Because if not, it might not be sustainable for them. But I appreciate that very much. Well, I think it comes down to, as you said, um, self-image, self-worth. Because yeah. if, if you require validation from small goals being hit, 
to increase your confidence, then as you said, that's fine to do it that way. But for other people who already have that innate belief, then setting big goals is definitely the way to go. Yeah. How did you make the transition then from your regular nine to five? I know it wasn't nine to five, but it was 12 to 12, <laughs> if you were to look at it that way. <laughs> How did you make that transition? Were there any sort of mentors involved? Was it a case of just jumping ship? What were the what were the sort of logistical parts of that? Yeah. So my business partner has been mentoring me since day one. I I said, hey, what do I what do I do? Like I'm an entrepreneur now. We I'm a business owner now, quote unquote. What am I supposed to do? And he helped me figure out, okay, let's let's figure out the most important five habits that you should be doing every day. And like we started tracking my habits in a spreadsheet. And that was it. It was very much, okay, you should be learning every day. Cause if you want, want to become more valuable, you have to learn more. Track your finances, track the listens, post on social media, exercise for 30 minutes. Cool. That's that's where it all started. And then from there, it was in terms of specifics, what do I need to learn? I don't know anything about sales because I have I don't like sales. I have this conditioning around sales is bad, asking for money is bad. All right, let me work on that. So it kind of became this domino effect of what must I learn next? And then when I learn that, what does that mean for the next thing I'm going to learn? It was It was very much that figuring out what my limiting beliefs were. That was a huge one for me. But asking asking people who I believed were ahead for what their suggestions were based on my personality, my unique strengths, my unique weaknesses, and my aspirations. So yeah, my my business partner was my biggest mentor. He still is. He still is to this day. I love the uh, tracking your daily habits because I think that that's such a powerful um, tool. Because for a lot of people, they've been told that setting goals is, is the main thing. And if it's not, as long as you set goals, then, <clears throat> excuse me, that's the most important thing. But what, you know, as coaches, we talk about to, to clients is that it's not just setting the goal, is it? You have to break down that goal into tangible daily habits. Because if you want to run a marathon next year, you need to be running every day in order to get there. And then what does it look like after month one, month two, month six, month nine, etc.? So it's it's good that you've you've actually used a spreadsheet as well to make it tangible. You're accountable to your own actions. Would you would you say that that's something that everyone should be doing in in their own life, in line with what their goals and ambitions are? I think it's very beneficial. I know there's a lot of people, and again, myself included, in the beginning, that it felt very constricting, right? Like I'm up to I think I'm up to 28 habits now. Again, that's six years. That's a long time of practicing and and improving and trying to figure out what works. I like it because I know I'm making progress and it gives me, you get a little dopamine hit every time you put that check mark in there or that X or that one, whatever it is, it feels good. So I think it's beneficial because it creates some sort of structure. It creates extra accountability. And I think for many of us, it creates vision. I mean, if if somebody could come to you and say, hey, if you just follow this system, set out for you. You just check off these boxes every day. Obviously you have to do it and you'll be a millionaire in 10 years. Like that's, I think a lot more people would say, you know what, let me, let me give this a shot. At least it feels like it's reverse engineered on the level of success I want to have. So yeah, I think it, I think it would be really, really beneficial if you can get over that initial hump of, you know, I don't want a to-do list. I don't want to live so concrete and structured. I completely understand what I tell people is the 26 things I have, I can do those in three hours. And if I wanted to, I would have the rest of the day off. Now that's not what I'm doing. So I'm doing something different, but there's no reason you can't have 10 habits that you get done in 
three hours. I mean, that's definitely possible for all of us. Well, I think this is, comes down to a lot of people's attitude, though, doesn't it? You know, you said that if you were to do these things every day in 10 years' time, you know, you're going to end up being a millionaire and you're going to be someone who provides value. But for a lot of people, you see it from these YouTube ads and things that you get all the time. You know, this is the cheat sheet that in yeah. three days you'll be able to trade and, and earn millions. People don't always want to be told that there's a, a long way of doing things. So, for example, if you were to start a podcast today, you know, people want to be the next Joe Rogan, next Lex, Lex Fridman, etc. But what I say to people, I say, look, you've been dealt different hands than 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 he has you know joe rogan before he started his podcast or drawing he was a ufc commentator he'd been on tv he was a comedian so he can just go on his phone he's got all this network here that he can just bring on the podcast and it's very easy for him to have a, a good following for someone who's starting today who was just left there nine to five as a salesman or whatever you have to have different questions well how do i get my first guest what is the podcast going to deliver so i think that the the way that you start and as you said the daily habits the daily goals there's no shortcuts is there it's as you said as well we're trying to reverse engineer from where you are to to where you want to get to is that something that you're that over the last six years has changed for you or is it something that stayed consistent during that six-year process of leaving your job to to where you are today most of my i mean most of my intentions most of my goals and and I don't know. I won't say all my expectations, but most of them have shifted. Yeah. I mean, I had drastically different goals six years ago than I do today. I had different core beliefs. I had different aspirations. My core values have, I mean, they've shifted and, and realigned and magnified in many ways, but so much has changed. The interesting thing, and this is just my belief, if we could figure out, not intrinsically, but based on our competence based on our body of work, based on the value we add, based on the time that we've been spent or we've been spending doing our thing, if we could figure out what level of success we actually deserve, I don't think we would fall for ads like that. Because my question is, what makes you, and I don't mean this in any negative way, what makes you feel like you deserve a Joe Rogan level podcast right now? I mean, you just don't. What what makes you feel like you deserve to be a millionaire trader right now based on the fact that you've never done it before? Like, if it was that easy, everybody would do it. That level of, I feel like I deserve it because this person's telling me I do. That person's telling you that because they they are benefiting from it. So I think in a deep, in a deep way, nobody is accurate with their understanding of their own self-worth and what they deserve out of life. There's many people out there who settle for relationships that, they deserve way more than a hundred percent, but there's also other people that are setting expectations from their lives that they don't necessarily deserve yet in terms of being a millionaire, billionaire, whatever it is. Well, I'll tell you what, there's some of my biggest pet peeves though. The, the sales funnel, YouTube videos, the trading ones, the Amazon, you know, the fulfilled by Amazon one, those three in particular are yeah. real bugbearers of mine. Cause I'm like, honestly, do you feel that doing half an hour's worth of work is going to generate you a lifetime's worth of experience, knowledge, expertise? Right. I mean, as you said, what makes you feel like you deserve to to have that? Um, it's it's a question of shortcut versus doing it the correct way. It's like this mm. the story of the hare and the tortoise, isn't it? The the metaphor where the hare's slowly plodding 
sorry, the tortoise is slowly plodding along and the hare is buzzing around. He has to stop and the, the tortoise ends winning, uh, winning the race. Yeah. So in terms of your podcast, obviously it's, it's taken off and it's, it's growing exponentially. You've had 1200 guests. What are your favorite few podcasts out of those? And I'm not don't, trying to put you in a corner and, and specify specific ones, but is there any that come to mind, which you feel that have provided the most value? Mm. I would say, so we've only, so we started doing guests in the beginning and then we kind of weaned off that. So we probably have interviewed, I don't know, two or 300 people. So a mm-hmm. lot of them were solos, but in my favorite episode, I think the most valuable one for me was episode 1000 because it was a milestone and Alan and I just cried our eyes out for the entire episode pretty much. Cause it was like this very surreal moment. One of my other favorites we interviewed, uh, he was one of my favorite mixed martial artists back in the day. His name's Kenny Florian. He fought on the original ultimate fighter and he was in the UFC and he was a commentator and all that. I, I think value is contextual. I think it's based on what somebody is going through. I mean, we've interviewed experts in different fields, but I think it depends on what you're going through. So I would say the most valuable ones for me are usually the dream come true of like, wow, I never expected this, you know, going to California and interviewing somebody in their mansion. That's awesome. I never expected that. So the value for me has been far more experiential than I think it's been knowledge-based because I'm always trying to ask questions that are going to help the listeners more than are going to help me. You know, that's my job as a host. I want to I want to facilitate value. So it depends on the person, really. To be fair, I do love that answer, actually, because it's about what value you need, isn't it? As mm. You know, individuals, we're maybe searching for something or there's certain things that resonate with us that don't with, with someone else. So if 100 people walk into a room, we'll all notice different things. Some will notice the attractive lady in the corner. Others will notice the decoration. Others will notice the social uh, side of things. Others will notice dress sense. Um, et cetera, et cetera. So maybe for, for someone who watches that a thousandth episode, of a hundred people who watch it, every person will maybe take something different from, from that. Is that what you're sort of alluding to, really? Yeah. Yeah. It's if we have a guest that's talking about um relationships and you're single and you don't feel like you can resonate with that episode, it's just not going to be as valuable for you. It just won't be because contextually maybe you're not in that spot. So my thought with an episode like like an emotional one like 1000 is some people who want to get to that level are going to say, wow, they did it. Maybe I can too. Other people might say, wow, there's two humans behind this podcast that have real emotions. I just think it allows it allows for a human experience. And I think, you know, there's there's a couple thoughts, right? There are certain things that are just not relatable. So if I'm driving a Lamborghini, you know, that's not relatable but that's credibility building. There's also the human experience of me getting somewhere way beyond what I ever thought and the relatability that that might bring to other people. So I think oftentimes it's either we look up to something that we do not seem or we don't do not feel as accessible to us that influences us, or we find something that everybody's experienced and we say, wow, I want to experience that in this new way. So I think that's why an episode that's built on emotion and just realness is just contextually more valuable. Yeah. So for some people, it's relatable. For others, it's it's inspiring. Um, yeah. Now that that makes sense because I think for for a lot of people to make change in their life, they either need to be uh, inspired by something or desperate. So inspiration and desperation is what drives drives action. Yeah. So 
coming to that to start this this podcast what gave you the inspiration to do that because we talked about obviously you leaving and, and you had a mentor etc but what actually gave you that what was the inspiration behind do you know what this is the avenue for me to, to go was it something intrinsic as you said an instinct to do it or was it more logical in in terms of your your thought process kevin in retrospect i think i've always been somebody who was trying to become more aware. So the, the name of the podcast to begin with was hyperconscious, acutely aware. I want to know why everything is the way it is. I think it started from me feeling like I wanted more out of life and feeling like there has to be more than just this eight hour thing I'm running, just this eight hour paradigm every day, every day. got to be something more than that. I was laying in bed one night and I was watching a podcast on my phone. I was watching Joe Rogan and Duncan Trussell. And I remember they were talking about how weird it is that we we get in a car that we can't afford. We leave a home that we can't afford to get into a car that we can't afford to go to a place of work that provides those two things, but we don't like. Imagine if an alien came down and said, hey, you love your job, right? And you said, no, I hate it. Oh, okay. Like That would be a really weird conversation. And I think that just kind of broke the paradigm for me of, I want to have deep conversations like that. I want to talk about weird stuff that people think about. And I think I would be a good facilitator for that because I'm pretty aware. I think that's where it started. I just want to have cool conversations with cool people, like much like we're doing right now. And I think I, I felt the, the desire intrinsically to have deep conversations that meant more than just, hey, how are you and how's the weather? I wanted to talk about real stuff. Yeah, it's a, it's a, I'm not really one for, for much small talk either, to be honest. It's more about the substantial conversations. Um, but to what you've just said, it's absolutely spot on, isn't it? It's keeping up with the Jones. It's, it's, as you said, a car on payment, a house on payment, rooms in the house that aren't being used for a job that you hate. It's like, well, if you strip back the income and expenditure, you probably wouldn't be too far away from uh, where you are with nothing, essentially, in, in that respect. Yeah. If you're earning 2000 a month, but £1,900 is going out on your bills, food, etc., you're like, well, what have I got at the end of it? And I'm doing something I hate. So could you minimize or, or minimize your, your lifestyle and do something that you actually enjoy? And it's never too late to make that change. I mean, Colonel Sanders, what, 65 years of age, started yeah. KFC. Now yeah. the number one, I don't know if he still is, but number one supplier of chicken in the world, or mm. was at one point. And yeah. yes, I'm not saying that you want to have to wait till 65, but everyone goes through that realisation point at, at, at different times. For some people, it's very, very young when they realise, look, this is where I'm going, this is sport. Generally, it's sport, actually, <clears throat> excuse me, when people are very young. But for everyone else, it's it can be a lot later in life. And you were, as you said, when you listened to that, that podcast of Joe Rogan's, mm -hmm. and for other people, it might be a little bit later on. What advice could you give to people that are on this hamster wheel, this, this, this is a corporate rap race, to to give them inspiration that you know there is going to be a time where you things finally sort of come together and and you can make that change. I always start by saying identify your mud. I think for a lot of us we think I'm in the mud and I want to jump to green grass. When in reality there's mud in between where you are and where you want to go. So when I say identify your mud, all I mean is my mud was leaving my job and then being very very broke and like having anxiety attacks and panic attacks and just struggling just to exist. Somebody else's mud might be, I'm going to work at this job I don't really like for the next year and a half while I shoot photography on the weekend. So I would say figure out 
number one, identify your mud. Number two, figure out what is progress to you and how can you start making it? I think a lot of us think it's an all or nothing. I have to be all in or all out. When in reality, if you're making perceived progress towards something, that feels really, really, really good. And I would say align your expectations. And this is a dangerous one, but I think it's important. Align your expectations with your circumstances. I was in a place where I didn't have a car payment. I was paying 500 bucks a month in rent. I didn't have a family. I didn't have that many responsibilities. I could take a big risk like that. And if it all didn't work out, I could have found a way to make it work. Somebody else, if you have a house and, and a family, things are going to be a little bit different for you. So don't necessarily compare your reality to my circumstances and my reality, because I don't know if that'll really, if that'll really serve you. Just understand your circumstances are going to affect your expectations and your reality as well. And that's okay. It's not a bad thing. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone's situation is slightly different and bespoke. But as you said, if you're someone who is on the younger side with no real commitments, you can go for a more upside and and, and not too bothered about the downside risk. Whereas for others who have got kids and families and roofs over their head, it's, well, do I give up this £100,000 job that sends the kids to school and looks after the wife, etc., for a project that's that's unknown? Am I better off reducing my hours and running the two projects parallel to limit the downside, but also give me some upside? Um, and and this is where the sort of wheel of life comes in, isn't there? It, uh, isn't it rather? So you've got obviously the financial side, the career side, the hobbies and interest side, the relationship side, the social side, hobbies, etc. Do you feel that for a lot of people now, as you mentioned, you had in the past where you were working full time, but you maybe didn't have anything on the spiritual, social, um, um, fulfillment side, but you had, it was maybe a 10 out of 10 in terms of career and status and in inverted commas success. <laughs> yeah, I traded in. So if you think of what you value as a human being, right, it might be family, it might be time in nature, it might be movement and freedom, you know, whatever it may be, whatever motivates you, whatever human needs you have as a as a human being you got to figure out what are you trading for potential other things so if you think of health wealth and love what am i trading from health to get wealth what am i trading from wealth to get love am i doing thing am i not working because i'm trying to pursue this potential mate you know am i not healthy because i'm spending so much time working am i uh, spending so much time getting in shape that I'm not spending time with my partner, whatever it may be, I think it's a juggling act. And for me, it was, I dropped the ball of love. I couldn't, ha I, I don't want to say I couldn't have a relationship. It was very hard to have a relationship based on the circumstances of my life. My physical health was there because I was hitting the gym, but my mental health wasn't there. My emotional health wasn't there. My spiritual health wasn't there. So I think you have to imagine it it helps me to imagine it as juggling. You're always probably going to have one ball that's close to hitting the ground. But then when you recognize that, how do you pour back into that? Right now, health physically is probably on the lower end. I haven't been hitting the gym as consistently as I want to. My relationship has been great and wealth has been great. But now it's time for me to double down on fitness and make sure I bring that ball back up. So yeah, I think we forget. We focus on one thing and we forget that I don't think there's any such thing as maintenance. Things are either getting better or they're getting worse. That's kind of how the universe works. It's not, 
you know, nothing really stands still because everything else is moving. Yeah, I, I, I do that as well now where I sit down and I, I saw, I don't know if I've got it from Matthew McConaughey potentially where that's, that's who comes to mind when we talk about that sort of thing where it's readjusting each part of your life. You're looking at the career side. Am I, because of me focusing on the business, am I giving up my my health side and my relationship right. side, etc.? And I think it's good to have a, a try and have a balance in in that space. So having an eight out of ten eight across the board, rather than the ten in business, ten in love, but zero in everything else. Are there any few areas that you feel are more weighted than others, or does it come back to your point of where does your value lay? I would say it's it's very personal and contextual to the human. It all depends, right? I'm more, I'm motivated by movement and freedom. I like the ability to do whatever I want, whenever I want. I, I value being my own boss, but that also directly correlates with my desire for certainty, or I won't say correlates, directly uh, defies my desire for certainty. So I had to give up certainty for many years in order to get to where we are today. So I think it's very personal and very contextual, and you just have to check in with Again, this is kind of the the theme of the talk. What's your unique version of success? What does that look like? Does that look like making sure you're at every single one of your your children's games and events and plays and recitals? That's a different version of success than somebody else. Does it look like driving a Lamborghini and being single forever? Maybe that's success. So I think it's personal and contextual based on the, the individual. I like how you use the goal of having total freedom because that's something I write down every day in, in my sort of goals book hmm. is to be financially and location independent because i think if you're working in, in a mcdonald's in chicago let's say you have to live really within a few mile radius of that particular mcdonald's because your income is dependent on that particular location whereas yeah. if you've got your own podcast or you run an international business the location side is, is irrelevant isn't it and you can yeah. be six months in scotland six months in russia i'm not saying to go there i'm just using examples whereby you're totally independent is that sort of your dream dream life yeah i don't it's interesting because i don't really like travel that much believe it or not so i'm a i'm very much a homebody i think my my ultimate dream is to be able to do to do what i love create a life of financial freedom from impacting others and then just be able to take care of my myself and my loved ones that's really you know i i would like a nice house and i i would like sports cars i i'm somebody who I value those things, but that's, I don't expect them to make me feel any different internally, right? I'll feel happy when I get in them and the, and the engine is loud. Yes, that'll give me a dopamine spike. That's not going to make me more fulfilled. So I understand that for me, I just want to do what I love every day, spend every night with those I, I love and then get up the next morning and, and do it again. And then at least have the opportunity and the, the privilege really to say, you know what? I don't feel like doing that today. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to take the the whole day off and I'm going to go spend time with insert person here at this place and do whatever I want. I like that option. I mean, it's, it's you know, as you said, getting up in the morning and being excited to go again. Mm. I think Monday mornings are the number one time where people get heart attacks because it's mm. getting up and their body goes into stress mode because like, oh, I've got to go into the office. Not that that's as much of an issue anymore since, since COVID, et cetera. Um, but it definitely is still still an issue. Do you feel that now you are running your own ship, that you're in a much better place, both physically and mentally, in terms of health? Well, yeah, for sure. Now, what I will tell you is I've definitely experienced many stressful parts of business. I think, you know, 
that's kind of part of it for us. And there's been a lot of stress when it comes to growth or team or whatever it is. But Monday is my favorite day of the week because that's when we record. We record all of our episodes on Monday. I love Mondays. Mondays are one of my, probably my favorite day of the week. I used to, I remember what it was like to get to a job site at 7.01 and look at the clock and count down till three. I remember. And I try to keep that close to me when I have these long days. Do not forget how bad you wanted it. You wanted this more than anything else. Do not complain about the potential negatives that come with the amazing positives you have. So the fact that I can say, you know what? I haven't been hitting the gym as much as I should. Let me change my schedule accordingly. I haven't been spending as much time with my wife as, I, as I'd as i like to. Let me change my schedule accordingly. Yes, it has provided me with a lot of certainty around creating a sustainable life based on the things that I value. Yes. I mean, it's, it's as you said, it's, it's you know, you can't just look at the negative side of, of the things you have because everything you have, someone else is jealous of. You know, if you've got your own car or got your own podcast show or you're in a relationship, or as you said, you don't have to go to work every day and you've got certain level of income, et cetera. Every, everyone's jealous of something you have. So do you do you practice gratitude in that respect of looking at the positive side of things that you have to ensure that you continue to value those things ongoing? 100%. We I call it grateful. I don't want to say disfa- uh, dissatisfaction, but it's kind of like grateful ambition. I start with a place of I am very grateful for what we have, but I'm also very, very hungry to in- increase what we're doing and increase impact and increase success. But I do, I, there's a, there's a place that does a very similar job to what I used to do close to where we live. And some days I'm driving home from the gym at like six, six fifteen, And I see those trucks leaving there. And that, that gives me that reminder of Kev that you could be doing that right now. And you could be driving six hours to another state to work don't forget how how good you have it. So yeah, I try to look for reminders of the old life and the the contrast between what I'm doing today and then and and try to focus on that gratitude. I at the end of the day, I am very blessed that I get to do what I do. But if I lose sight of how blessed I am, it can seem like a, just a regular job if you lose sight of that. So on that vein then, if if there's one area of your life today, obviously you know, you're still grateful for everything you have got. If there's one part of your life that you would like to improve on, what would that be and why? Hmm. It would probably be spending more time with my wife because it's hard to, I mean, when the business starts growing, it's hard to say no to things. I mean, that's what you're trying. That's what you've been working at so hard for the last six years. It's that it's, it's just saying, look, at some point, I will change my hours to 10 in the morning until 5 at night, and you will not be able to get a hold of me before or after that, and everything else will be sacred family time. That, and eventually it'll probably get to the point where, you know, I don't I don't work Saturdays. Like, I, I work Saturdays half day. I work Sundays a little bit. Eventually, it'll probably get to the point where my week is is slammed, you know, 9 to 5. Let's book calls the whole time. And then I have more free time for myself and my family. I think that's that's what it would be. Do I have time freedom? Yes. Is most of my time filled up with the business? Yes. So maybe more actual time freedom where I decide what I want to do. Well, it sounds to me like it's just a case of what we talked about a few moments ago, where it's sitting down and saying, well, you already answered it, haven't you? That, Or maybe the, the if you look at the, the wheel of life, it's saying, well, actually, this part is 
is under underfunded at this point. Where can we take the, the funding from to to actually allocate to that time? So that's so that's great. So if you just want to tell the audience where they can find you, podcasts and any other services that you offer as well, uh, Kevin. Yeah, I always tell people if you if you're interested in learning more, just listen to the show. Uh, number one, it'll be valuable, so it's not like you're just searching my stuff. And you'll you'll realize pretty quickly, A, these are my type of people. B, maybe we're not. No stress. So just search Next Level University. We're on all the podcast platforms as well as YouTube. We do an episode every single day. So we'll be there in your pocket. If you're trying to get a little bit better, we will be there with you to get a little bit better every single day. Thank you very much for for coming on the show, Kevin. I'll put all of, of those notes in, in obviously, the, the, the notes with the podcast so they can reach out. Um, and again, thanks again for being a, a valued guest. My pleasure. I appreciate you, my friend. Thank you, Kevin.